Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. You got your Bible with you today? We're going to make our confession. We're going to declare this by faith before the Lord. Get your Bible ready. It is the foundation of your relationship with the living God. It is how you know who He is. Let's repeat. Let's say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, if that's you, shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Psalms 112. Psalms 112. A few years back when I read this, it clicked in my heart my mind. I said, this is my biography, Psalms 112. And no, no, uh, you know, don't get upset with me because it's a real good one. It can be your biography as well. This can be the story of your life, Psalms 112. I want us to read this psalm, and then I'm going to get right into what the Lord impressed and put on part of my heart a few weeks back for today's service. Psalms 112. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Say it a little bit better. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's the first verse. Praise the Lord. In Hebrew, hallelujah is praise the Lord. There's a song Naomi likes to listen to. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 1, Psalms 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. Verse 5, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Verse 7, he will not be afraid of evil tidings or evil news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Verse 9, he is dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it. They'll be grieved. I like when the wicked are grieved. He will gnash with his teeth, the wicked, and melt away. And the desire of the wicked shall perish. Somebody say amen. All those benefits that we just read, verses 10 through 2 through 10, in fact, I wrote some of them down. You can look over those verses just one more time as I'm reading out this list. But this is the list that I made. Your children will be blessed and become great. Any parent, that's their desire. And I'll just add this. This this came in my heart and my mind as we were worshiping the Lord during worship service. God has a right way for you to bring forth children. Which means if you're single and you're believing God for a husband or a wife, He's going to bring you a husband and wife. Because you've got to have one of them before you get your children blessed and become great. Amen? There's a proper order there. 
So God can provide a spouse. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds wife has found a good thing and obtained favor of the Lord. I remind the Lord all the time, thank you for giving me favor for I have found Laura. Praise God. Second thing, wealth and riches. Third, eternal life. Fourth, understanding, a compassionate heart, a generous spirit, good judgment, security, legacy, no fear of the world, confidence in God, victory over your enemies, strength, honor, and you become unstoppable. Those are a real good list of benefits and blessings, aren't they? I mean, you think about it, that kind of list of benefits in your life really is heaven on earth. It really is the kind of life that Jesus gives, which is life and life abundant. Now, here's the kicker and here's the question. How do you get it in your life? Well, the secret, which is no secret, is written right there plainly in Psalms 112, verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Blessed is the man or woman who will fear God and do his commandments. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord and will do what he says to do. Blessed is the man or woman. Blessed is the church. Blessed is the ministry. Blessed is the governor. Blessed is the president. Blessed is the nation. Bless whoever it is that will fear God and do his commandments. The fear of the Lord will release in your life the most valuable treasure there is which is the presence of God. The fear of the Lord is the master key to the presence and the things of God. The fear of the Lord, it is something that you might not hear it so often. In fact, I was just, you know, as the Lord put this on my heart to teach, I always just want to see what other ministers are talking about. I went on YouTube, and let me tell you something. There's not not that many teachings on the fear of the Lord. I found about four. Usually you get about 100,000 results when you search something. Not that many books written on the fear of the Lord. We could write a lot on the blessing and thank God for it, but there's a way to access the blessing, which is the fear of the Lord. Not that many books on the fear of the Lord. It don't really get you excited. After all, when I just said that about the fear of the Lord, it don't really want to make you jump up and run around the church in Jericho March for the next hour, does it? Not maybe as much as some other benefits that come from the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not, we're going to see a couple of things. We're going to see what the fear of the Lord is not, what it actually is, why it's necessary, and the best part, the blessings of it. But it's kind of like what I remind Naomi. She's always ready to eat ice cream, but we've got to eat our vegetables before we get to our ice cream. Amen? There's a process to get here. So I want you to see this. The first thing I want you to do, you're in Psalms 112. Just flip over a few Psalms to Psalms 19. Psalms 19. Psalms 19. Psalms 19, verse 9. Or Psalm 19, verse 9. Some people, when they hear that word, maybe you hear that word right now. Maybe someone watching hears that word. You think, ah, well, now that fear of the Lord, that's old-timey stuff. That's out-of-date stuff. That's way back when when we didn't have this quote-unquote revelation of, you know, maybe some people say, you need to get a revelation of grace, brother, because this fear of the Lord, you know, you don't need to be afraid of God. I'm going I'm to show you something here, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's, I'm going through an order here. What the fear of the Lord is not. The fear of the Lord isn't out of date. The fear of the Lord isn't old-timey. 
The fear of the Lord isn't something that when people, uh, Christians, didn't know as much about God as we do today, they had a fear of the Lord, but you get more information, you get more scripture, you get more understanding, and you don't need it anymore. Look at this, Psalms 19.9. It says this, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring for how long? Say it a little bit louder if you're reading there. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring how long? Forever. You know, the Hebrew word for forever means forever. That's a joke. Maybe not a good one, but it's a joke. Forever means forever. The, command, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, you could add to there, the fear of the Lord will make someone clean. We're going to get that in just a moment. But I want you to see this. The fear of the Lord isn't some archaic thing. It isn't, you know, back in the day where they, people, they would practice the fear of the Lord, but you don't need that anymore today. Times change. You hear people say that. Times change. I've seen the change in the times, and I'm not very pleased with how the change goes on. I've seen, you know, they say, well, with fear of the Lord, we don't have that anymore. Well, you know, there's a lot of things taking place in culture and society. You see it all around, and I just don't care for the change I see. You see it as a nation. When a nation turns its back on God, when it, as a whole, as a nation, not every single person, but collectively as a nation and governments and turn away from the truth of God's word, it just decays and brings destruction. The fear of the Lord isn't out of date. It's forever. It endures forever. Now, just to establish a basis, I want you, we're going to do just a little bit of flipping here, but you came to church, so you should expect to read your Bible. Turns over to Proverbs 23, 17. Proverbs 23, 17. Don't turn it too fast. Some of I, I see you, the dust flying off the pages. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You love your Bible. You love your Word. That's why you're here today. You made a good decision to be in church. Proverbs 23, 17. The fear of the Lord's not out of date. We're establishing a foundation here that we're going to build something real strong on. But you've got to get a good understanding of what the fear of the Lord is. And the first thing we're doing is showing what the fear of the Lord is not. It's not out of date. We just saw the fear of the Lord is enduring forever. Proverbs 23, 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners. Have you ever been in that place where you thought, man, it seems like the people who do wrong get everything they want? Have you ever been in that place? Don't, don't let yourself be fooled now. Well, it seems like they do all the wrong and they get everything they want. The Bible, point blank, that's a command. Don't let your hearts envy sinners. Why? But be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. Verse 18, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Your hope, the hope of the blessed, the hope of the righteous, the hope of the godly will not be cut off. But the hope of the sinner will be. Because there is only one hope, and that's Christ Jesus. And if you don't have hope in Christ, there is no hope in the afterlife, in the eternal life. There is either heaven or hell. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. There's a heaven or a hell, and your end will not be cut off. You will be given an expected end. But notice this. The fear of the Lord, it's for how much of the day? All the day. So the fear of the Lord is not only out of date, it's something the Lord wants us to practice 24 hours a day, seven days a week, our whole life. The second thing I want you to see this. Some people might hear that phrase, the fear of the Lord. Turn to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 12. Some people might hear the phrase, the, the fear of the Lord, and they think, well, that's Old Testament, brother. You need to get a revelation of grace of the New Testament. 
I'm actually going to show you that you cannot experience the grace of God apart from the fear of the Lord. And when I say I, I mean I'm going to take you to Scripture because it really don't matter what I show you. But the Word of God is going to show you here in just a moment. You can't experience the life-changing grace of God apart from the fear of the Lord. But some people have that idea. They think, well, that's an Old Testament thought. The fear of the Lord. It's an Old Testament thing. And in the New Testament, after all, God is love. Anyone ever heard that? He is. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Hebrews 12, 29 also says God is a consuming fire, which means He's a righteous judge, which means the same God that is completely and totally love is also holy and just and has a standard by which the blood of Jesus brings us to. Now look at this, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, that's you, that's me, that's Christians, that's believers. You are God's beloved. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. You know, that's really when it counts, doesn't it? When no one's watching what you're doing. I was thinking on this, and I know none of y'all would have ever done this younger, but when I was younger, see, it's so strange because I was born in March 1990, and things, a lot of things changed between 90 and like 2010. Like I remember before there was MySpace. A lot of y'all do too, but I actually was able to make a MySpace account like after it came out one month. Some of y'all don't even know what MySpace is, but Megan's smiling. I could pick my top eight and put my favorite song on my page on my MySpace account. It's amazing. But I also remember cell phones, and I got a cell phone because it was like a Verizon deal, and Mom needed a cell phone, and I was getting close to driving. I look at some, I always thought that was a rule. In fact, that's what my parents told me. You're getting a cell phone because you're now going to be able to drive. Years go by, and I see kids four, five, six, and I think, wait a minute, they can't drive. Here I am, I'm 25, and I think, they lied to me. You've got to be able to drive to get a cell phone. they got, they got a cell phone. Let me tell you something. And it what, you know, wasn't a smartphone. It was a flip phone. It was amazing. All you could do was call on it. Who wants a phone that you can only call on? Aunt Brenda said, that's what I want. I don't want all the extra buttons getting get in the way. And so I had a curfew with that phone. I had to be off that phone, 9 o'clock. And then my parents might hear something in my bedroom. They come by and say, you talking on the phone? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, what was I trying to play the game in my mind? For the 12.27 seconds you stood at my door, I wasn't talking on my phone. But two and a half seconds before I heard you open the door, I hung up. And I waited 10 minutes till the coast was clear and got back on it. I'm playing this little game. Oh, I wasn't talking on the phone when you asked me for that 10 seconds you were at the door. Sometimes people want to play games like that. But the power of God will actually empower you to live holy before the Lord. Look, that's a revelation that Satan wants to steal from you. The the power of God can actually empower you to live like Christ. Because the Spirit of Christ makes you alive. Not a carbon copy. Not a lesser model. No, the Spirit of God indwells in you and He empowers you. And so Paul's saying here, look, you obeyed not only when I was there to check up, but when I was gone. That's called heart change. Someone say heart change. Even when I was gone. Now notice this, verse 12, work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling. Verse 13, For it is God who works in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Notice there's a duality there. It's not just you trying to work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. There's some religions that promote that. And they work very, very hard. Jehovah Witness, Mormons, part of their being saved in their minds is, is they got to win people. And they're diligent to do it. I had, I had, I guess it was Jehovah Witnesses, they came to my house in Granny Apple. They came one time and never again. And I didn't, I wasn't mean. I wasn't trying to run them off. But they came to me, and, and one, one, it was two ladies, and the men were in the car. That kind of irked me to begin with. The men were in the car, the ladies came. I guess ladies were supposed to be, uh, you know, less confrontational, whatever. You know, ladies come to the door, you and be polite. And I was polite. I wasn't not polite, but I'm just thinking, what if I'm a, what if I'm a crazy person? Like, not, not crazy like I actually am, but like bad crazy. What if I was a bad crazy? And here's the ladies at the door, and the guys are in the car, you know? Anyway, they began to speak to me, and I speak to them, and I just began. They said, well, do you know Jesus? Oh, I know him. Do you know him? And they showed me this pamphlet. It was something about getting exercise and eating right. I said, this this is good. This is right. I said, I was actually about to go jog. I'm trying to do this myself. I said, but aren't you thankful that God's a healer? They don't believe that God's a healer. They don't believe that Jesus paid a debt for healing. And I began to minister to them. Now, when I said minister to them, the young lady said, oh, wow, really? I say young lady, the one that had only been in this cult for a little bit. She said, really? I said, yeah, go home, read your Bible. Go to 1 Peter 2, go to Isaiah 53, go to Matthew 8. You'll see the goodness of God. And the one that had been around a little bit longer said, we got to go. We got to go. I said, let me pray for you. No, no, we got to go. Because I'm not, in their mind, I'm not saved. In fact, I'm full of the devil. And if I pray for him, I'll pray a devil prayer. So I said, they already think that anyway, so I just began to pray. Problem is, I was on about like day three, four of a fast, and I had the fire of God come on me, and I began to speak in tongues, and they ran. They get in the car. They're backing up. I'm just praising God, walking toward the car. The car's driving back and burn out again. And, and a holy fire came on me to the point to where I said, well, I'll just go ahead and go for my run. And I wasn't chasing them, I promise, but I did go left. When they turned left out of the driveway, <laughs> I wasn't chasing them. But they were driving like I was. You're not doing this on your own. The Spirit of God empowers you to live like Christ. Why does that sound foreign to the world today? Why, if you're saved and you love Jesus, but you got a little bit of the, you got some unrenewed parts of your mind that's being influenced by culture or social media or bad theology, bad understanding of the Word of God, and it kind of leaks itself way in and it contaminates and poisons and stains a little bit of your mind, and you hear something, what do you mean live like Christ? But you can. But the access to that power comes by way of the fear of the Lord. That phrase, work out your own salvation. Again, you're not working to be saved. You are saved by grace, through faith. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. You're saved because you believe on Jesus. You can't add anything to it. The book of Titus tells us that, lest you, would, you or me would boast. But once you get the power of God, the saving grace of God on the inside of you, it changes you. And part of that change 
What's required for that real spiritual heart change is the fear of the Lord. So right there, it's in, it's in Philippians 2. It's in 2 Corinthians 6. It's in 2 Corinthians 7, the fear of the Lord. It's in the book of Revelation. It's in the book of James. This idea of the fear of the Lord is very much for you and me today, a child of God, part of the New Testament church. Now, this is probably the biggest stumbling block for this fear, for, excuse me, for this phrase, the fear of the Lord. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 1.7. We're coming up on a close of here on our uh, establishing our foundation. We're going to get into some more meat of this. But I just want to go ahead in my mind and by the Spirit of the Lord just praying, I, I, I jot down these three main things that I feel like would be main hang-ups if I were to hear the fear of the Lord and I didn't know what the Bible said about the subject, the fear of the Lord, throughout the entire Bible. What would be some things that I feel like would be a hang-up? This is the last hang-up I think some people may get. The fear of the Lord is not demonic fear. The fear of the Lord is not a tormenting fear. The fear of the Lord is not the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, you know this verse, but it's good to read the things you know. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of what? But of power and of love and a sound mind. Of power and love and a sound mind. Look at that. A spirit. Someone say spirit. It's a spirit of fear. There, are, there is a spirit world. Amen? God is a spirit and He must be worshipped in spirit and truth. John 4. We also, how many believe there's angels? There's angelic powers that serve God. How many believes there's a devil? How many believes there's demonic powers that serve him? How many believes that people, you, me, everybody, we, have a, we are a spirit? We have a soul and we live in a body. There is a spirit world. And in fact, Brother Finest Dake of the Dake Annotated Reference Bible, many other works, he said this, very powerful in his book, Bible Truths Unmasked, about spiritual warfare. He said this, before anything takes place on the earth, it happened first in the heavenlies. Changes of government, wars, plague, disease, things that take place, strong delusion, people acting crazy, revival, an awakening, a shaking of a nation by the power of God. Any of those things that take place on the earth, it took place first in the heavenlies. That should give you a little bit of insight of how powerful your prayer life is. Because as you begin to shake the heavens, not God's heaven, but the heavenlies where the spirit of Satan and that the demonic spirits there in these heavenly places over the earth, you begin to wage a victorious war with them by the blood of Christ. You're realizing, I'm doing work in the heavenlies that I'm going to see come to pass in the natural. Because, see, here's there's, there's, the reality is people don't change till they want to change. Have you discovered that yet? You can't make anyone change. Until someone just decides they're going to change, they don't change. Me, you, anybody. But by prayer, I can't make someone change, but I can pray and through the working of the Holy Spirit, through prayer, that person gets so much angst and pulling and pushing and twisting and turning, they think, I either got to repent or, God, I mean, or, or bust hell wide open right now, but something's got to happen. 
I know that sounds strange, but it, it, people's minds and spirits will be pushed or led or pulled by the prayer of the righteous saints because there's something that takes place in the earth because there's a spirit world and there's a spirit of fear. You can see it. There's a spirit of fear and you've not been given a spirit of fear because God is not a spirit of fear. He is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the spirit you have. You might say, okay, all right, all right, I I get you, but still this phrase, the fear of the Lord, it's got the word fear in it. That's the one problem. I'd be with you except it says the word fear. In fact, I'm going to add this because this is something else that's quoted. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. How many has heard that? But perfect love casts out fear. Notice, because fear torments. He that, fear is not, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. I want to tell you this. What we're talking about is a holy fear. It is an attribute of the Holy Spirit. It is the nature of God. It is an awe, a reverence, and a submission to the things of God. The fear of the Lord is not a tormenting fear, a satanic fear, a demonic fear, a fear that torments someone. Rather, this fear is, the, is part of loving God. In fact, you can't truly, we're going to see in Scripture, love God without the fear of the Lord. And you can't truly fear God rightly without loving God. So the fear of the Lord is not out of date. It's not excluded to the Old Testament, and it's not a demonic fear. Okay, that sounds good. What is the fear of the Lord then, A.J.? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Psalms 33. Psalms 33, verse 8. The fear of the Lord is awe. A-W-E. Someone say awe. Psalms 33, 8. The fear of the Lord is awe. Psalms 33, 8. Let all the earth do what? Fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He, God, spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. When you encounter the living God, you see it all through Scripture, you've experienced it yourself. I mean, when you truly come before God in the fear of the Lord, you will be in awe of Him. Your focus is on who He is. Think about it. He made heaven and earth. He made the universe. He made all the galaxies, the ones you can see, the ones you can't see. He knit you together in your mother's womb. This is why, speaking of prayer and spiritual warfare and the fear of the Lord, as Christians, we have to continually pray and speak out and call up and do whatever we need to do to make sure the scourge of Roe v. Wade is removed from our nation. Why do you think that supposedly the Supreme Court vote that five justices are going to vote to strike down Roe v. Wade was leaked in the first leak ever? Spirit of Antichrist trying to stop it. And the blood of innocent cry out. The voice of Rhema cries out and will not be stopped. The fear of the Lord brings you in a place of awe. He knit you together in your mother's womb. The fear of the Lord brings you to a place where you understand it's by the grace of God I'm here. That the breath that just released from my nostrils, that kept my heart pumping for another second, came from God. 
The fear of the Lord is everything you enjoyed. He made it. He created it. He brought it forth. The fear of the Lord is that the intricacies of the human body, that which we do our absolute best. I've been there before, man. I tell you, I've been with people, uh, ministering, loving people, just friends of people. I've been in the hospital room, and they say, you know what? Every, all the knowledge and insight we have medically, but we still don't quite understand. Good and bad. We, we don't, he was supposed to be dead, but he ain't. We don't know why. That's the all of God. I know why. I know my maker. That's what, that's what Job said. I, I may end my life here, but I will stand before my God because I know my Redeemer lives. It's standing in awe of God. The fear of the Lord is to come before God and you say, Who am I that you're mindful of me? Who am I, Lord, that you are mindful of me? Yet you know me intimately. You can number the hairs on my head. Some that's more, some that's less for some of us. That number changes some days. Laura, Laura said some of these hairs are turning a different color. She said gray. I can't believe it. And I said, baby, long as they hold in, I don't care what color it is. Just keep holding. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows you better than you know yourself. You're in Psalms 33, 8. Look at Psalms 89, 7. There's just, you think I'm turning to a lot of verses, and I understand this is a little bit different than what we do sometimes. Sometimes we sit in a, a passage of Scripture for a while, and you think, man, he's really got me turning. I've, I'm giving you about one-twentieth of the amount of Scriptures that possess the phrase, the fear of the Lord, fear God, fear of the Lord. I mean, I'm not, we haven't even, this is just a lick of icing on the big giant cake. We haven't even cut a slice into it yet. You just took a little lick of the icing. Psalms 89, 7. God is greatly to be feared. Where? In the assembly of His saints. In church. And to be held in reverence by all those around Him. Now notice, some people can go, they can go the wrong way with this. Maybe you've experienced this. Bless God, we need to have the fear of the Lord in the house of God. You need to dress like I dress. You need to look like I look. Ladies, you need to wear this. Have you ever noticed some of these very religious people? The men always create all the rules are always for all the ladies. Ladies, you can't, mom's laughing, you can't wear jewelry. Well, now, friend, you got a nice watch on, sir. Well, that don't count, brother. You know, yeah. <laughs> don't wear the makeup. Don't wear this or that. They always make rules for the ladies. It's real interesting, isn't it? But when you write the rules, you write them so it's to your favor. Amen. I'm all about being modest. I, I'm not saying just show out and look like some people that walk through Walmart. You think, my goodness, you know this is public, don't you? <laughs> you know, but because of that, there's a place called thepeopleofwalmart.com. Go at your own risk. But understand, the fear of the Lord in the house of God is not, well, when we come in the house of God, we will be very reverenced before the Lord. No, sing, dance, clap your hands, jump, shout. Praise God, however you want to praise Him. Me and Naomi, we dance. When I say dance, this is what it looks like. That's about it. But we'll do it, and we'll praise God. Because it's not an outward working. It's an inward working itself out. Because, look, you can put, you can put on a show when you come in church. You can look however you want to look. But the goods are, do you know God? Do you know God? Because some people have done that. They play a religious game. But you, what, what does true reverence look like when you come to church? Just an example. 
I come to be in church. I'm on, if it's worship, I'm on worship. If, it, if, if it's given time, I'm given. If pastor's preaching, I'm going to actually listen to what he's saying. Imagine, why would I come and sit for 45 minutes and not listen? If he says turn, I'm turning. I'm going to read my word. Let me tell you something. I understand, you know, people raise their children differently, but I would pass out and my bladder would implode before my mother would let me go use the restroom during service. She said, honey, you got 23 hours to use the bathroom. Right now we're in church. Mama, I got to go. You know, she ought to prove it. We'll see. We can clean the pew. Praise God. <laughs> I understand. Look, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hurtful. You understand what I'm getting at, the heart of the issue. If you come to church, it's amazing what some people think they get away with in church because we get here, it's religious, oh, and it kind of gets a little spooky. And some people think they'll just pick up the things of God by association. But I've yet to see the fire of God just pass over the sanctuary and fall in the lobby where people stand and talk sometimes during, the, during preaching. Uh-oh, I went from preaching to meddling. Think about it. What if, what if, whoever, you're, you got a celebrity you like, all mine are dead. The ones I like, John Wayne's dead, Steve McQueen's dead. They're all dead. The ones I really, that I still watch. Whoever it is, favorite sports person, favorite whoever, favorite person you like, favorite YouTube star, whoever it is, the president of the United States, the governor, whoever you want to meet, if you would treat them at a higher honor than God, his word, your time in prayer, worship, you have a lack of the fear of the Lord. Because man ain't got the answers God has. I know this. I know when I get before God, I can get everything I have need of. From eternal life to life abundant and everything in between. But I've talked to men. I've talked to some that are real smart. Look, you can be real smart and still be an idiot. But the fear of the Lord, Psalms 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You can be real smart but not be wise. That's what y'all would say. Y'all are much more kind. But if you want to say it like I would, you can be smart and still be an idiot. I want to have true wisdom of God. I don't want to just have some knowledge of something and not know my God. I don't, want to, I, want to know, I don't want to know how to get on... I'm not real good with directions, but I would rather know how to get to heaven than know how to get home and have to look up directions just to get home every time I wanted to drive home. If, it, if I had to pick, obviously I don't have to pick. Laura says, well, if you don't have to pick, won't you learn how to drive where you live? Because I'm real bad with directions. But there's a knowing of God, and it comes through the access of the fear of the Lord. You've got to reverence God in the assembly of His saints. I want to encourage you that. Some people say, man, I went to church, but it was a dry service today. Was the service dry or were you dry? Amen. The fire was burning, but if you're a wet piece of wood, we can't get you to light in one service. We're going to have to dry you out a little bit before we can get that spark to stay a hold on you. And not just church. Me. I, if I have the fear of the Lord, when I go before the Lord to pray and set aside some time to pray, I set aside time in the day for everything else. Watch TV, go to work, play with Naomi, talk to Laura, 
you know, cut the grass. I mean, everything, work out. I set a time for everything else. If I'm going to set aside time with prayer, then I don't need to go in there and bring in my 1,342 Facebook friends that don't really know me anyway and scrolling. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, look what June said on Facebook. She's a dummy. She wrote that. Let me comment on that real quick. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Reverence your relationship with the Lord. Count the cost to stand before God. You are in the presence of the Almighty. And you have access by the precious blood of Jesus. Don't make light of the sacrifice of Christ. How do we do that? The fear of the Lord. Now, I want to get into something here as I come to a close because I'm completely out of time. Why is the fear of the Lord necessary? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Why is this necessary? Why is the fear of the Lord necessary? 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, remember, this New Testament written to you, specifically to you, for people who follow Jesus. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The fear of the Lord motivates you to live pure unto God. In fact, I wrote this in my notes. The fear of the Lord makes you inhabitable. It's like a home. It's like a home. Think you, think you had a physical house that had been run down and for 50 plus years no one lived in it. No one kept, kept it up. I mean, it's full of dirt and dust and grime. Nothing's been cut outside. It's grown up. You've got to fight your way just to get into the door. You're going to have to do some work before you can live in that place. And it's the same way with our spirits. We are the temple of God. 2 Corinthians 6, just a few verses before it, you see it, that you've been made the temple of God. And because you are the temple of God, remove yourself from things that are unclean. Look, it's not... Pastor alluded to this last, last week. You're already in a bad situation in your heart if you say, how much of this can I do before it becomes sin? That's called flirting with sin. You should rather say, what must I do to completely overcome and eradicate this desire for sin so that it never comes back again? And if it does, I whip it and whip it good. Not, how much can I do and get away with it? Not Because you have to cleanse yourself. And how's that done? In the fear of the Lord. We read Psalms 19.9. The fear of the Lord is clean. I've said this. Some people may, their brows may turn when I say this out loud. But um, again, you understand there's so many aspects of the gospel and the word of God. I'm just touching on one thing that quite frankly is not very popular for a lot of people. There ain't, there's one book, two good books I found on the fear of the Lord. Like I said, you search on YouTube, there's about four sermons. Why is it? Because it don't sound good. It don't sell good. But it's all through the Scripture. The fear of the Lord, think about it, it keeps you clean. And I, I say this out loud to myself, and some people may think, well, you might be, you're in some sort of feel for bondage. I'm telling you, it keeps me where I want to be with God, which is a place of cleanliness. If Satan will run by temptation across my mind, now understand that, Satan, he tempts through the mind. Because temptation is not sin. Someone say temptation is not sin. That's normal to be tempted. But when you act on temptation, when you conceive, when you allow that temptation to birth itself in you through action, that's sin. And that's different. 
But if Satan runs a thought across my mind of temptation, I will point blank say outside, out loud to myself. Now, if I'm in you know, public something, I may not shout it because I don't want to be carted off and with guys with white jackets off to somewhere and they say, this guy's crazy. But I'll say this. I'll rehearse it before myself. Satan, I'm not going to do that. Amen. I love God and I don't want to die and go to hell. Amen. You live in fear of going to hell? Yes. Because hell is a place of judgment. And the Jesus said, the way is straight and narrow and few that are on it, the way to heaven. But broad is the way to destruction. It's too valuable. Your eternity is too precious. Your life is too costly to mess up and make a mistake and say you fall over into this broad way. Not when you have the help of the Holy Spirit. And when you make things just clean and simple like that, it will make your ear, you know, you'll, you'll listen a little bit different to what people say. I don't want to die and go to hell. Now, I'm not going to hell because I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. But how much of a stark contrast is that of, well, you know, God wants you to be happy after all. Well, I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, things change. And what the Bible says is sin, uh, I, things change. Culture changes. And after all, God is love. He is. And because He's so loving and kind, He is righteous and holy. And the fear of the Lord will keep you clean. See, you think I might be going overboard with this, but Jesus himself, and I would say Jesus knows something about being a Christian, wouldn't you? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which can kill the body, that are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. When you get to, again, I'm not trying to get out of the finished work of the cross, the new creation reality of Christ. You take this all together. But all through Scripture, you see the fear of the Lord. When I get to a place, I don't want to be, de- I don't want to deceive my own self. I don't, there's some things I don't do that, like Paul says, you probably could do them, but I won't do them because I don't want to offend a Christian, a weaker brother. There's some things you probably could do that wouldn't be sin, but if someone saw you doing it and they had a struggle with sin of that nature, they fall into it. And I love my brethren. I love the brothers and sisters of Christ too much to do that. There's some places that I won't go because there's a possibility that some wrong may be taking place, and I just don't want to be there. It ain't worth it. There's some show, you know, you flip on a TV show, Laura and I do this consistently. We don't wait for them to cuss us out 17 times before we say, well, I guess this ain't a Christian movie. <laughs> we were watching some show. She loves, she loves love. She loves love stories. We was watching some show, and in the first minute, the first minute of this love story, I actually picked it, the first minute, the, the woman finds her husband. She, he's cheating on her. They get a divorce, and she's depressed. I said, I can't, no. I don't care what the end is. That one minute was too much for me. I don't want adultery coming into my house by way of my television. There's just some things I refuse to do, not because it will be sin itself, because my relationship with God is too precious to me. See, the spirit of fear will cause you to run from God because you're hiding something from God. But the fear of the Lord, you will be afraid to be away from God because you realize all your hope is in Him. And you say, what I have with the Lord is too costly. Isaiah 33, verse 6, it says, The fear of the Lord is His treasure. The fear of the Lord 
makes you inhabitable. It keeps you on the path of righteousness. I want it, this would be a good place to end. Turn with me to Isaiah 11, 1. Isaiah 11, verse 1. Look at this. Look at this. You, you stuck with me this far. Isaiah 11, 1. This is the prophet Isaiah prophesying of the Lord Jesus Christ who is to come in his day. Jesus has come. Notice verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch, rod and branch, both capitalized. That's how we know it's Christ, among other reasons, shall grow out of his roots. Notice verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit, shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, still the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of counsel and might, still the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not something that you work up. It's not an order or a code of conduct. The fear of the Lord is the anointing of the Holy Spirit etching out the language of God in you. The fear of the Lord is the working of the Holy Spirit working Himself and His works through you. Verse 13, His delight is in the fear of the Lord. The delight of Jesus was the fear of the Lord. And that takes us right back to where we began. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and delights in His commandments. When you have a holy reverence and an awe and a submission to God, it's what God told Abraham. When Abraham's commanded to give up his child of promise, Isaac, he has the knife raised up above Isaac, about to strike him down dead on the altar of God. The angel of the Lord cries out said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Put the knife away. Don't hurt the child. For now I know that you fear God and will not hold your only son from me. The fear of the Lord puts you in a place. It's the posture of your heart. It's not something you learn by, again, like you have a a list of commands on the wall. I'm going to do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Those are all good things. But uh, you understand the laws for the lawbreaker. The Spirit of the Lord working in you will put a reverence in your heart, a holy submission to the things of God that you say, "I, I just want to live close to Jesus. I don't want to ever be out of His presence. I don't want to do anything to harm my relationship with God. I want to be a friend of God. There's two people in the Old Testament that God calls friend. Abraham, because he feared God. Moses, because he feared God. In Psalms 25, 14, it says, The friendship and the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Psalms 119, 63, I'm a companion of all them that fear you and of them that keep your precepts. You want to be a friend of God? Jesus said this. He said, servants don't know what their master does. The master just tells the servant what to do, and they do it. Jesus said, but I now you call you friends because you know the will of the Father, and you do it. When you have the fear of the Lord, it brings you into a closeness and a relationship with God that is unmatched. It brings you into friendship with the Lord. It's not I'm a scared of God. It's I live in an awe and a reverence and a desire to love God with everything in me. And there's just nothing that I will trade for the presence of God. There's no fear of man. I don't care what people think. They can think whatever they like to think. In fact, John 12, Jesus said that. He said there were people 
Pharisees, Sadducees, chief rulers that believed on Jesus, but because of the fear of man, they would not confess Jesus Lord. They, notice this. Who you fear is who you'll serve. If you fear man or what someone will say or someone's opinion or some pushback, that has become, they have become your God. But you get, what did Jesus say? I will confess you before the Father of those who confess me. When you confess Christ before men, he confesses you before the Father. You have to get to a place, you know what? I don't care what man says. I don't care what people think. I don't care about pushback. I don't care if people think it's out of date, old-timey, or silly. You know, I'm doing my best to share the Word of God, and I've realized that social media, as much craziness as on social media, uh, as much silliness as on social media, it is the current day. It's the digital street corner. A hundred years ago, if you sit on the street, everyone's walking by, and you can preach to them, right? If you live in a big area, you can still do that. I love watching some of these street preachers on YouTube. They're in these big places where there's 10 million people in the city. There's still people walking by all the time. But if I go stand at the street corner in the main street in Lawrence, I ain't nobody walking by. There ain't but 10,000 of us in the whole city, and everyone's driving by. Oh, there's AJ. Well, he looks like you know, something wrong with him. He must be mad or upset about something. You know, because no one's walking by, they're just driving by. But social media is the digital corner that you can preach on. And man, every time I put something up, I told Dad just a few weeks ago, I'm finally getting some traction. How do I know I'm getting some traction with people? Because I'm finally getting some people that are calling me names. <laughs> I'm finally getting some people say, there's still people who believe the Bible's real. I'm finally getting some hate. Do I want it? No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I, don't, I ain't trying to boast in it. But I've just gotten this point, and I believe you are, you are at that point as well. Why else would you be serving God? You're going to have to get to this point in the days in which we are living. Because 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 says this, There are people who will confess Christ but deny the power of God. Lordy, Lordy, we love you, Jesus. And what does Jesus say, Luke 6, Matthew 7? Depart from me. I never knew you. Lordy, Lordy, didn't we do all these things for you? One, they could be bald-faced lying. But two, maybe they had an outward appearance of what might look right, but they didn't know God. You want to know the Lord? Reverence Him. Honor Him. Stand in awe before His glory. Submit to His truth. Love Him with everything in you. Give yourself completely to Him. Discover the treasures and the riches of salvation and His wisdom and His knowledge Know Him. The key to knowing God is entering into the fear of the Lord. Putting yourself in a place, Lord, I have counted the cost, and you are worthy. I have tasted and seen, you are good. All other lovers of my soul, I have departed. You alone are the lover of my soul. You come before the Lord and say, hey, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what people think, what other people think. Even if I don't quite understand it yet, I'm just going to yield and submit to the truth of your word. Stand up with me as we prepare our hearts to go before the Lord in prayer. As your eyes are closed, your head's bowed before God, I want you to know this. The Bible shows plainly. When you fear God, you'll get answered prayer. When you fear the Lord, the angels of God will protect you. When you fear God, 
you secure God's continual attention. He supplies provision for you. He gives you mercy. He provides assurance of food even in the times of famine. When you fear God, He delivers you from harm. He gives you wisdom, understanding. When you fear God, you have a confidence with Him and you're no longer afraid of death. The fear of God will actually remove the fear of death from your life. When you fear the Lord, it gives you peace of mind. It gives you satisfaction. The fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and life. It keeps you on the path of righteousness. It gives you clarity, and you'll enjoy the fullness of life. The fear of the Lord, it is His treasure. It is a treasure He wants to give to you. As your eyes are closed, your head's bowed, and more importantly, your heart's submitted to the things of God right now. If you're here and you're in this place that we call church, that we've set apart for the glory of God, for the proclamation of His good news, and you don't serve Jesus, and you don't have the fear of the Lord in your heart, you don't serve Jesus, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, what are you waiting for? Don't leave. Confess Christ. The Bible says when you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the risen Son of God, and you'll confess out loud with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. For there is no other name you can call on and be saved. If you're here, it's just you and God. No one's watching you. It's just you and God. If you're here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, or you're not right with God, we're going to do that right now. You're going to get right with God. We're going to pray together as a family. And I want you to pray this with faith in your heart and boldness in your lips. Pray this prayer. Say, Father... I submit to you. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on my cross, my death for my sin, and fill my grave. And he has given me his life. I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. All my days, with your help and your anointing, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In the reverence of God, every heart, every person in this house, this message isn't a rebuke, it's the love of God being poured out. Every person in this house of God, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, let me know the fear of the Lord. Let me understand the fear of the Lord. For I desire you with everything in me. My entire spirit soul, and body. I give all I am completely to you. May there never be any obstruction between us, our relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.